Black Doctors Podcast. In this episode of the podcast, you're going to hear from a couple of different voices. You're going to hear first from Dr. Letitia Rowe. She was previously on the podcast. She is a family medicine physician, MBA, and a serial entrepreneur. She's going to tell us about an exciting event that is happening this weekend in New Orleans. After that, we're going to jump into a conversation between myself and Dr. Nate Jones. He's a pediatric emergency medicine physician and one of the co-hosts for the podcast. Because we are in a time of year where we have a, a ton of transitions, whether it's from somebody starting medical school or going from medical school and starting residency or residency on to attending life, you know, there are a lot of transitions going on. And every year about this time, we try to have a frank, honest, open discussion this time around, you're going to hear this in two parts, but Nate and I talk about some of the things that we learned, you know, from being residents or fellows and now as attendings, you know, what what's different now. So a lot of gems for, for people cheat code. If you are a medical student or resident, you can kind of help identify what is important at whatever stage of your career that you're in currently. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for rocking with us for the next half hour or so. And then tune in next week where you'll hear the rest of the episode featuring myself and Dr. Nate Jones, as well as an update from Dr. Rowe and her incredible venture that is known as Honeycomb Clinic. For those who are, you know, the doctors out there that are, you know, doing amazing things online, we are having in New Orleans this upcoming uh, weekend, the 29th, our Medical Influencers Awards. We're having a first time event where we are really honoring and celebrating influencers in medicine like you, uh, Dr. Bradley, <laughs> oh, the gosh. nominee for podcaster. We have categories for authors, for television personalities, and then just by specialty. So if you want to vote for someone or nominate, I definitely invite you all to visit bossdoctors.com and connect with us at that event. I meet a lot of doctors who I think go unrecognized. We talk a lot about healthcare disparities and how we need to fix them and how you know, African-Americans do better, you know, when they're treated by African-American doctors and all of these things. But the the everyday person, if, if they don't happen to follow a doctor and then see the other doctors that those people post, they don't even know who we are. Yeah. So the Medical yeah. Influencers Awards is about, yes, it's about celebrating doctors, but it's also creating this list. Like, these are the people these are the people that are out there that are doing the work. And this is not going to be an award that is given based on a small group of 10 people in a room that says, OK, let's pick this person for this year. You vote. Yeah. Who, who inspires you? Who, who is the person you follow online that, that gives you the best health advice or who's just funny and makes healthcare relatable? So really, that's what it's about. I feel like we were used during COVID. Oh, healthcare <laughs> heroes. Everyone wanted to put a doctor on a billboard. Yeah. And now that COVID is gone, where where's the applause? Where's the recognition? It's gone. And so, you know, but doctors are still struggling, right? So I feel like we don't acknowledge enough that this career takes a lot out of you. And we need more than a gift card on Doctor's Day, <laughs> right? So- if they're not going to do it for us, how do we do it for ourselves? And this is my small thing I'm doing to give back to colleagues to say, I see you, I hear you, 
I'm going to celebrate you, even if no one else does. Oh. So someone's going to walk away with a word per category. And I can feel good knowing that I, I gave back to my peers in a meaningful way. I love that. And the dates for that are, it's coming up soon. I'm going to post, I'm going to edit this and get this posted because by the end of the week, um, this conference is happening in New Orleans. Yes, in New Orleans, July 29th. And I'm, I'm, I'm calling it the Black Doctors Weekend, but everyone's welcome. Like you said, there it's not only Black doctors that are nominated. The doctors of every race are nominated in many categories. But I am calling it Black Doctors Weekend because, ironically, the Black physicians and Black pharmacists are having conferences in town the same weekend. And I said, how cool would it be for us to have a networking event not affiliated with either organization, but just an opportunity for healthcare professionals to network, mix, and mingle in New Orleans. Be the safest time ever to party on Bourbon Street. <laughs> yes, because if something happens, we're right there. <laughs> and hopefully able to help. Yeah, and we're sure nothing, nothing's <laughs> going to happen. It's going to be a great time. And, you know, um, so excited to see what comes. I cannot make it uh, to the conference or to um, the event, unfortunately, but I am excited to see what comes from uh, or who actually gets these nominations and, and who wins these uh, influencer awards. I think that has been the most fun part of doing this because I've shared a couple categories and the people with the most followers are not getting the most votes. And it just shows that influence is more than how many people follow you, right? And so I, I thought that was in many categories, like it's not, and people are voting, like hundreds of people have voted already. And it's like, wow, I, I've been surprised, you know? So those who are nominated, you know, um, I think sharing it makes a difference, but even in categories where the nominees haven't shared, the results are still mm -hmm. very interesting. So in the next couple of days, where can people go to vote? Oh, go to uh, bossdoctors.com. That is how you vote. That is how you nominate. Nominations are still open. And um, that is how you purchase tickets to attend. Perfect. And again, the event is on July 29th. July 29th. It's in the Harris Casino in the Masquerade Room. Okay. July 29th of 2023. If you're listening to this episode after this, disregard the date. Don't email me about it. It's a podcast and it's pre-recorded. So uh, thank you so See much. You <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Put it on the schedule for next year. So I hope you can make it this weekend to the Boss Doctors Conference or at least the gala. If you haven't already, visit that website and vote for your favorite podcast ever, the Black Doctors Podcast. Now let's jump into today's episode. I have gotten better with audio video, and video, video editing, so I can yeah I can make you look like uh, who you want to look like. I mean, listen, let's get those AI filters going. <laughs> I, I would love to get a six pack and two kids running behind me. We'll <laughs> All right, That's we're, the next we're checking topics off AI and healthcare, yep. medical minute, AI healthcare, the attack on equity, the oh god, new world order. That's oh it's gosh, a, it's the very... uh, Supreme Court is. Mm -hmm. Depressing. Right, right. It's so interesting because like this whole period of the year, it's funny because we were talking earlier about uh, July being new beginnings. And it's so interesting that like 
the Supreme Court um, ends their, I want to say season, uh, <laughs> ends their term in June. Um, and so it's just a very interesting space to be in while being a physician of color, um, dealing with issues of equity, and then also thinking about the way the world is going and where we are going and what is happening. So, yeah. So much to talk about this summer. There's so many things to talk about. So, so many, many things. Oh, well, gosh. <laughs> well, if we start talking about the Supreme Court, we'll, we'll be here all day. It's a spiral. It's a deep spiral. And, um, but we can... Yeah, no, we'll save that for later. Yeah. Plenty to talk about there. What we're going to talk about is continuing the theme, kind of new beginnings. I know we had a we had a panel a year ago. I think that was uh, super helpful. I think that got over like 1,300, 1,400 downloads. Nice. Um, quite a few of us were on and talking about transitioning mm-hmm. from residency to attending life. And, mm-hmm. and, and we covered a lot of ground there, but you know, every year there's more stuff that pops up and more experiences. And so I figured that'd be a good place to kind of start and we can uh, talk about that as well. Right. Cause it's like the start of the new season. It's a lot of newness. There's always a lot of newness. You know, it's funny. I was uh, reflecting cause like now I'm moving into my third year as an attending. Okay. Getting salty. <laughs> Welcome to attending on Steve. We're going to talk about you finishing fellowship and what it's like. Oh gosh. <laughs> and it's interesting because two years prior, like every year around this time was something new, right? Either starting a new level of training into a new training program, like every year in, in medicine or in a lot of other industries, your fiscal year is July 1st. So everything kind of starts around that time. So it was weird for the last two years. I really hadn't had like, no one gives you like, you're a PGY, like, I don't know, what am I now? Did you write like 12 or something? I don't know. Um, so <laughs> like you don't really have that anymore. So the milestones that you hold are a little bit more creative, personal, ambiguous. I guess associated with life, life outside of uh, medicine or the job. Right, 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 right. I mean, it's always it's always a different move. So, I mean, you're in a space now. Let's just talk about where we are currently. So Steven sure. is currently <laughs> in, <laughs> outside of Chicago in Florida. God help him. Mm. Um, (laughs) So, how does that feel to be like to be to be to be done? Like you're freshly done. You're about. Have you had your first like you know attending stuff? Well, the the crazy thing is, I worked for four years as an attending, but it doesn't matter. Like that slate has been wiped clean. No matter who I talk to, (laughs) close friends are like, "Oh man, you're finally done with training after all those years." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I worked for. I was an attending for four years. This was." One year, but that has been subtracted. I am uh, starting out fresh, apparently. Mm-hmm. So it feels good. Um, fellowship was good. I went back, and honestly, it was a great time. I, I enjoyed my time at, at Chicago the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this time around, because, you know, the surgery residents, bless their hearts, are there for like seven years. Yes, yes, So yes. the ones that were like brand new first and second years when I was there mm-hmm. were more senior. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to step back into the environment and see how they were now running the show. Mm-hmm. And um, people still kind of knew who I was. So the, the clinical part, you know, it wasn't as hard of a transition. Mm-hmm. And the first nine months were like, great. Okay. And then those last three months, I was like, okay, push. Yeah, it's about time to, to, to get up out of here. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's good. It's good. I start the job in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by the time it airs, I'll, I'll start at work already, but mm-hmm. excited to start working again Mm -hmm. and I have a new specialty Mm -hmm. in critical care medicine. Look at you. Wow. Okay. And so is your new job, is it part like OR time, part ICU time or you're predominantly ICU? Exactly. So I'll be a a 50% critical care and 50% anesthesia. So with the critical care time, it's a week on week off. And then the rest of the month is, you know, two weeks in the OR doing anesthesia. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, nice. Look at that. Well, look at you. 
Congratulations, Stephen. <laughs> no, no, thank, thank you. Thank, congratulations on year three, even though there's no prize there's no or prize. even acknowledgement. So. No, no, there really isn't. In fact, you have to keep track of yourself. I always um, there's a lot of like paperwork and stuff that that kind of like renews itself every two to three years. So, mm, but like mm-hmm. like faculty appointments and uh, credentialing and all that good stuff. So, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think looking back and like thinking about like you know when I first I mean graduated med school like twenty. 14 almost yeah. 10 years ago wow geez we just got an email about our 10-year anniversary uh for howard next year yeah oh you guys would have one i don't even know if we have one, <laughs> My <school even laughs> has one. i don't even know if it does it's, it's crazy right like i think looking back like i guess my biggest question i kind of said was is like i've always struggled with transitions and what it was like to just be used to something and then have to do something differently and with medicine it's always a very like steep learning curve regardless of where you go to so i guess how do transitions feel to you now than they did before? I will say, so I, I've always embraced transitions because part of that's how I grew up. Uh, being a Navy brat, we moved every three or four years. So mm-hmm. my life has always been in a state of transition. And then, like you mentioned with med school and, and residency, those three or four year blocks are nice. You develop that routine. Mm-hmm. And then when things are kind of getting old, it's like, okay, time to move on. Now that has uh, wreaked havoc on relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think a lot of military people. Somebody had made a post about it. Uh, you know, we live our lives in three or four year mm-hmm. increments of time, mm-hmm. much to the detriment of our partners mm-hmm. and friend groups and, and all that. So, I've always looked at it as transitions are a chance to make a new first impression. Mm. Okay, um, and and always continuously making these new first impressions. Right. So if you're like a not so nice person in the next. You know, when you start fellowship, you can be nice. You could try that on. Okay, Jekyll so, I don't know. I know. <laughs> just change it up on people. So, yeah, okay. just change it up and yeah. see which works best. So, mm. so it's been it's been nice I, for me. It'll be a stretch when I hit that like three or four year mark, and oh. I'm probably going to start getting antsy and, mm. and wanting to to go change things up. And, mm. and like you mentioned, uh, you're kind of here, yeah, just working, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, but at least the space of when you're just like just working, um, quote unquote, I think it also allows you, you're not, you're not, you're all, you're always learning, but the active process of learning is a little bit different um, where it's not like I need to sit down and read or I need to sit down and like, you know, go to these lectures and these types of things. It's more so I'm learning on the job. I'm learning through like, you know, evidence-based stuff, but that also means it frees your time up to do like real life things. Mm. Um, one of my yes. friends who's a, a family medicine doc, he gave me some really good insight. He was just... Um, well, I don't know about you. People make fun of me all the time because I, I am a, supposedly a baby adult because I don't know how to be a real person. Largely, and I was trying to explain that frustration, what it's like to talk to people who don't go through those transitions every three to four years and haven't spent most of their lives, you know, in studying. And it was like, the way I look at it is that like, you know, you're already going through medicine. You've lost maybe 10 years, 10, a decade of your life, right? Wherever, however old you yeah. are is like 10 years younger than how old you, you act or behave, right? And some people, <laughs> right. at, least, at least in my behavior, I'm a smooth 25. <laughs> But I think it's interesting because we spent so much of our lives, especially the formative part of our lives in our 20s, really just absorbed and like just trying to get somewhere, just trying to grind and trying to do what you got to do. You got to study, you got to read, present, find research opportunities, do internships, all these things just to get where we are today. But in that process, while we were doing that, our contemporaries were doing, you know, regular stuff like going on vacation like getting raises (laughs) making real money not going into crazy amounts of debt and that i think allows a level of like developmental uh, i guess maturity that like i 
think of like it kind of robs you when you go through this process. At least for me, I, I, I think other people. I think you um, are a little more mature than I am, a little more organized than I am. But um, <laughs> but, but Bare, I, I barely, yeah, right, barely. <laughs> right. Um, but no, you always. But that perspective of it, just like you know, transitions are great and they're um, help you reset yourself. But they're also because you're so you're so constantly churning and constantly doing things that like the development and investment of yourself um, isn't always there. It's like. Ugh. So now you invest. Now you have now you have time to invest. Yeah, in, in, in good old Florida. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I am excited. You know, we took this job. We're mm-hmm. closer to our family. Uh-huh. Um, it's a new venture, mm-hmm. so you know, I'm looking forward to it. And, and great patient population. So, yeah, I'll keep you guys. You know, I'll I'll keep you posted, and mm-hmm. uh, probably only the good things because I want to keep my job. So, <laughs> I think the, the other part of, the, of what I was thinking of was also. Um, Lessons learned through the process of transition. Mm, a lot of those. A lot of those. Like, what, what, what would you say is your biggest lesson that you learned or one of the biggest or one or two or three big lessons that you've learned? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's that crazy thing about life that mm. if you, I don't know about other people, mm. when I look back at my life and what I did like four years ago, I'm like, who is that person? <laughs> so I think looking back, you know, you see, you can see how much growth right. occurred and some of the things that you did do and that mm. you wish you'd never have done but mm. um i guess you're better for it or you're just different I, well i think everyone's always better for it i think <laughs> yeah I, I feel like i struggle over transition so much i mean that's half the reason why i don't like leave places i think i just fester until, <laughs> until i have to go somewhere until i graduate i gotta go somewhere else but th- i think there is something in sort of honoring that passage of time and what it's like to be at point A and to be now in point like, I don't know, V or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, I don't want to say what the end. There's so much more to explore, but so much more to grow. But I think one of the lessons I've learned is that like, it's the period of just one, like the way you plan your life. I used to think it was very much just like find your, you know, place you're going to live, what apartment you want to live at. And then like, you know, does that park? Like I don't know those types of things and not realizing that like so much goes into yourself as a person that requires more planning and that's usually things like i don't know like if you go to the gym like is a gym close by do you know a gym you're going to go to if you utilize like therapy services like are you know what your insurance is like um are you, mm-hmm. you just found mm-hmm. therapists that are in your area should you start looking for that now and not wait until you get there like those types of things like, what's your support system look like and i think that is what we often overlook is i think we are used to i mean by we i mean like particularly physicians of color like are very much used to putting our head down and getting through it and not yeah. think. And I think there's sometimes we're just like, well, if we just get through it. When we get, once we get to the other end, we'll be okay. But there is that part of you that's like, oh, God, I've just been trauma. <laughs> this has been easier. <laughs> you just need to take a break at the end. Right, right. Because you get so exhausted because there's so many things that like you didn't know you need until you needed it. Right. There's so things like you don't know what you're missing until you don't, until you go reach for something and it's not there. Yeah. And I, I often struggle with the idea of like, self-care is something that's like prophylactic versus something that's like you know emergent uh, like something like it's like a need a need to address something right now like an, an ism or ill that you have right now versus something that is ongoing and something to help into your love so yeah well well as a mid-career mm-hmm. early early career physi- early career physician early, early. <laughs> <laughs> well, how have you uh what have you done to incorporate self-care mm. you have all this money now and, and, and all, time no and all this money. that is not real <laughs> no, it's real no kidding god <laughs> so what have i done uh I, I feel like it's like well i travel as you know i travel as much as i can it's easier to travel because my schedule is a little bit more 
and control. I'm a little more control of my schedule than I had before. Um, I do see a therapist. I see a therapist once a week. And we had a little bit, we had an episode a while ago talking about therapy and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think we should probably revisit that in some ways. But no, I, I see a therapist once a week, is, which is super helpful. That's what I think about. Like, do I have an issue or do I just need to like work through some things? And that's been extremely helpful. I'm working on getting back to reading and writing. I'm currently mm-hmm. reading this book on boundaries, personal boundaries for personal growth. The title of the book, actually, I think is really actually great. I went to a professional development day for underrepresented faculty at my at my um, institution, and they gave us this book. And I'm going to butcher the title because I don't remember. Um, it is, I think it's Setting Boundaries, Finding Yourself or Finding Peace. I will okay. probably pipe with that in the show notes or something. But it's phenomenal in terms of how it talks about like setting boundaries. And I think that is my new thing for self-care and self-preservation to sort of have that ability to be like, well, this makes me uncomfortable. Or I know I don't have the bandwidth for this right now. And that's been very peaceful. So, I mean, I'm evolving. I don't know. I'm figuring things out. Maybe I'll cook one of these yeah. days. I don't know. We'll see about you. Well, <laughs> no, I don't know these things. <laughs> what about you? What do you do? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean... I floundered a little bit, you know, first, I think when we first started, I was attending, mm. you know, I was in the Navy and, and stuff was really different, but it took a while to find myself, you know, long distance relationship. And then it just got better mm. over time as I settled in and got that routine down, like, mm. like you're saying now, you know, we're settling into this new adventure mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll be here for a while so we can actually put down roots. Exactly. We started cooking again mm-hmm. the last year in Chicago. We were living on Grubhub, just sitting in the house, uh, Grubhub and, and Netflix. It's cold in Chicago. You can't go out. It's cold. It is. <laughs> it was it was cold yeah. most of the time we're there. So yeah. trying to, you know, get back active mm-hmm. and set the house up and, and mm-hmm. all that. So um, looking forward to hopefully getting back into some music mm-hmm. once I get my office slash studio I set see, up. I see. I see. Is this a studio you're in right now? <laughs> no, there's no shade. I'm just asking. <laughs> I'm just asking it. I see the IKEA box in the background. <laughs> some keyboards to okay. the left. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, you don't need to uh, describe. Hubble that could be left to the imagination. Yeah, yeah. One of these camera this point of view is so zoomed in. You don't see the rest of this crazy office. <laughs> nope. Yeah. That, that was intentional. So. Uh, yeah, I got some instruments that I'm going to mm-hmm. purchase as soon as that first check hits because okay. I need money. But we we were talking earlier and we were mentioning kind of how per- perspectives shift mm-hmm. as you go through different transitions mm-hmm. from being a pre-medical student with the hope and dream of getting into medical school and being a doctor. Mm-hmm. Then you're a medical student and you're like, wow, what did I get into? Right. Get into residency. And then it's really like, wow, what did I get into? Mm-hmm. And then ultimately being an attending and... I think there's there's definitely a disconnect when you're only looking at things one way. And we both yeah. have now, you know, hit all of the wickets. We were both in grad school. Mm-hmm. We both went to medical school. Mm-hmm. We're both fellows mm-hmm. in different orders mm-hmm. and both attendings. Yeah. So I think, you know, reflecting back on where we were and what we thought then versus mm-hmm. what we think now right. may be helpful for folks that are at those different stages. Right. I agree. Um I was told I told uh, some of the fellows at, a, at, a, at one of our presentations, our conference. I was like, you know what? It, none of this matters. <laughs> that's that's my new perspective, <laughs> which, which is a very hard thing to say and to do, and to even live if you are like a medical student. Like I would never say that to a medical student. I feel like that is like a very um, a different space to be in when you're like in the latter part of your training. And what I mean yeah. by nothing really matters is like the stress that we put on ourselves to like 
find the right research question project, publish the paper, like go to the conferences, smooth the program directors, like get the letters of recommendation to get to the next step, to get to the next step, to get to the next step. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's going to work out. I mean, the thing that like is so great about our profession is that it is very much on autopilot. It really is like, it, yes, yes. Can you find yourself unmatched? Can you find yourself in an institution you don't want to be in? Yes, that is a possible thing. But there are plenty of people who don't find jobs and people who don't, who work at jobs that they hate, who are right. outside of medicine. So uh, again, I'm speaking from a, a perch of privilege. Because, like, I'm looking, I'm on Monday morning quarterbacking. Nothing really matters because everything worked out at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's that that bell curve yes. that you learn in in school is if you do you hit the wickets as a medical student or a resident and you stay in the sixty something percent point seven mm-hmm. whatever's in the, yeah. in the bell curve, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Then there's like the the overachiever, well, well the <laughs> high achievers, I don't know, or high achievers, <laughs> and then you know some people some people struggle. Yeah, because that that's just life. Right, and, right, right. But if you stay in the middle of that bell curve, you're mm-hmm probably going to be just fine. Right. And yeah, it's interesting to see on, on the other side. I was kind of broken going back to fellowship, right? Because I knew as an attending kind of the, the big picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you haven't seen that side before, you know, you're working and you're doing all of these things right. um, that, like you said, may not ultimately lead matter. to anything. It's crazy, right? I mean, I think, and I don't know if that is the... The ruse of medicine or the, the I don't know, the illusion of medicine or the hour, maybe academic medicine particularly, is the need to be that workhorse and that your value comes from what you're able to produce, not really what you're able to care for and how you're able to care for patients, which I think is a bit of a problem. Um, it's a huge problem. But I, I don't know. I, but I, I love what you said about that because I think that's true. Like when I went into fellowship, one of my months I had to do trauma surgery and when you're on a trauma surgery service, you become a surgical intern. And I've now, like, I was in my first year as a fellow, but, like, I've been well yeah. removed from the so, like, Right, so, right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I was like, mm. so, and so my senior was like, I don't know, like a PGY5 or something, which is very similar to what I was at that time. And I remember being like, I don't know surgery. I'm not a surgeon. I'm, not, I'm here to learn how to put chest tubes in and all, all this stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, no, I'm not going to uh, wake up this early and do all these rounding. I can round in like five minutes because I don't need to look at all right. these things. Like, are like, are like, um, I will have specific questions and in specific objectives for what I'm doing. I'm not just here to just do scout work. Like, I'm not here to just write orders and notes. Like, and so you, you kind of perceive yourself more of a human being, more of a like visual. Like, I, I exist in yeah. space and time, and I, I take up to take up space. Yeah. So, but then, but then, when you think think back, I feel like I never had that perspective. I don't know what what was your thoughts when you like how did you feel as a medical student? Exactly. That that perspective is, and and it's it's so relevant that as you get towards the end of your training, you're you're specializing, right? You are are narrowing your focus. So, as that quote unquote intern on surgery, you knew exactly Mm -hmm. what you needed to learn Mm -hmm. for your career the next year as a, as a pediatric emergency medicine physician, mm-hmm. you could focus on that. I remember, you know, cause going back to medical school, obviously everything is relevant mm-hmm. because you don't know what specialty you're going to go into. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're going to like. Mm-hmm. You're taking all those basic science courses, those first two years you're mm-hmm. going to remember those um courses that like examine the patients, you know, oh, the, the like standardized the, patients. Yeah. You're yeah. Doing like these the actual physical exams. exams. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not well, a phonoscopic right? exam in like years, but yes. <laughs> um, I, th- I thought that was within the uh, scope of practice of an emergency and, medicine and, um, physician. If but... you can get me in a dark room with uh, something to dilate these pupils, <laughs> yes, I could definitely try. But 
<laughs> and a good eye, good, good ophthalmoscope, maybe, but no. <laughs> uh, but looking back in medical school, it was just a, such a wash of information. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had to apply everything to everybody. You're mm-hmm. learning basic sciences. You're taking those tests, and each test has such a huge impact on what could be because mm-hmm. you fail the test, right. then you're remediating. And then you don't match, right? You know what is at stake with these exams, right? Right. But right. in the, but now, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what, what percentage is on a bell curve and mm-hmm. all and and gram stays, you know, all that stuff yeah. is in the past, yeah. and we've we've moved past it to things that are more specifically clinically relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't realize that certain things you with you in that general scope of things. Like I think, like I, I mean, it depends on your specialty. I mean, if you're super specialized, I mean. You're not really thinking about like you know GYN complaints if you're like you know doing like cardiothoracic stuff, I guess. Um, but it depends what you do. I mean, in, in emergency medicine, obviously we take pieces of everything. But I think there's a piece of what we take from our academic side of things, like what we know from like didactics, and the other piece that we take from it is sort of like what do we know about ourselves? Like what do we know about yeah who we are as decision makers? Um, who how well we can balance ourselves, our own morality, our own dealing with biases, how well we're able to do that. Some people are better than others. And that gets better with time. That's true. But I don't know. I feel like, I don't know about you, but felt like transitions got, I don't know, bigger and scarier as I got older. I don't know. <laughs> because because I knew more things could go wrong. I just in more responsibility that I'm still at peace now because I don't really have big transitions coming up. I don't yeah. know, what, what, what are your thoughts on how big those like well, those feelings are? I remember the the, the transition from um, being a second year medical student to a third year because mm-hmm. Howard, you know, they had a the med school. Then there's a bridge you go across to get to the hospital. So it was like crossing the bridge. It was all like dramatic. It was like okay, now you're gonna actually see patients. Oh, I remember being so, so terrified yes. to see patients as a third year medical student. Mm-hmm. And then like as anybody who's gone past the third year medical school realizes like you really can't hurt anybody no, I do not unless you go it. like out far out of your way um so it's, it's it. that graded research separate topic dr death oh, of the gosh. world no okay yeah yeah oh, you get to do something pretty egregious and yeah. it's all a graded responsibility and that's the way the medical education system has been built for better that's a whole other episode if we can if you want to dig into the, the medical education system, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that graduated responsibility is built in to mm-hmm. where you always have somebody looking after you um, for a very extended period of time, to be honest. Mm-hmm. A lot of shepherds, yeah. Because you are sheep in a lot of ways. What I didn't realize is how how much that support changes as you get through the process. As you get further and further along, you don't have as much oversight, obviously, as much support. Um, I think I can only speak for my specialty in my division, but um, we do a good job with like mentorship and guidance. But I think when you, once you're done, like, I think it's actually kind of hard to understand where you are in the world and what you need to do next. Like, cause you don't have that, like, I have to turn in my fellows project by the end of the year, or I have to like submit this grant, blah, 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 blah. It's more so just like, I just have to work and make sure I don't, you know, F this up. And uh, these are my metrics. So as long as my boss isn't mad, I'm good. I will say yeah. though, that is, ugh. I don't know. People, uh, corporate medicine people can 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 love that, but for like, <laughs> like, but I don't know that when you're just like I'm just working just to get in and get out, and I don't and I'm not taking away what I like. Like for me, I love to teach. I love working with um, trainees, and so I'm in spaces that I, I don't get the opportunity to do that, particularly in like community hospital settings, which I, means I can see patients by myself, which I love to do too. But it burns me out. I think I am an academic clinician 
at my core, hmm. but I only knew that because when I didn't have academic responsibilities, yeah. I felt like I was just like spiraling and I felt like I was just hating my life and what I did. So yeah, that's, that's that ongoing growth. Cause like you mentioned before, you're not stopping mm-hmm. learning once you finish your training. Like the first, I, I don't know, remember what percentage, but a lot of physicians leave their first job after the first couple of years. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing per mm-hmm. se. It's just you, you practice in some environment or mm-hmm. in some way and you're like, Hey, maybe I like this and I'll stay or Maybe I like that better mm-hmm. and I'll try something different. Right. And I think that's when the powerful word of boundaries comes into play. Because um, mm-hmm. very easy to be overrun as a trainee. It's very easy to like say yes to everything. And my um, advice when I was like mentoring other trainees earlier on was just like, just say yes and see where you land and see what you do. And now it's like more of a very conscious, like, just be careful of your own bandwidth. And sometimes you don't know that until your bandwidth is reached um, and it's too much. Um, and my advice with that is like, that's where mentorship helps a lot. And sometimes I'll go to my mentor and I'll be uh, one of my mentors and I'll be like, can I do this? Should I do this? Right. And it's good to have an objective person, especially someone who's further out in their career to be like, no, say none of that. And this is how you can say no to it. So it doesn't sound as though you don't want to do anything. It's just, this is what I am, what I'm able to do and try to hit those high impact yeah. stuff. Like what is stuff that's really going to feed your, feed yourself, feed your soul, feel, feed what you need to do to feel like a human being but also can further your career and make you feel like you are doing something that actually is meaningful because you just spend so much time learning to do what you get to do right now. And, and for medical students, right, because the setting boundaries or mm-hmm. trying to say no, that's that's incredibly difficult. We know the match process is getting more difficult. Mm-hmm. We, you know, they're, they're changing what's submitted. Step one is mm-hmm. pass, fail. Mm-hmm. So that's the question I get commonly is, you know, should I do research or should I not? And, and I try to explain that Yes, you should probably have some research. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Black Doctors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Definitely check out the show notes. You can find links to vote for the Boss Doctors Conference. And definitely tune in next week for the second half of this conversation as Nate and I reflect on our experiences throughout medical school, residency, and even fellowship. Thanks for listening to the Black Doctors Podcast. We're here because representation matters.